Welcome to Equipped with Chris Brooks. Hi, I'm Colin Lambert sitting in for Chris today. Chris is out speaking at a uh, Bible conference, and we always love when Chris has a chance to be sharing God's Word, so we're grateful for that. You can pray for him and his endeavors there, and in the meantime, uh, we have a lot to talk about this hour on Equipped with Chris Brooks. So grateful to have you along today. You know, you cannot uh, turn on a news channel uh, this last week and not see information and news and stories about the shootings in El Paso and Dayton, Ohio. Uh, But don't forget, it wasn't too long ago, just in the last couple of years, where there were shootings also at uh, Sutherland Springs, Texas, a church there and a church in Charleston, South Carolina. The truth is we live in a culture today uh, where you never know if you are in a place where people are gathering together, you most likely could be a target for some type of activity like this. And it's a a sad thing. It's a difficult thing to swallow, but it is the nature of the culture we're in today. And uh, we are not here today to debate any issues uh, that the politicians are debating. Uh, They will do that, and we will leave that to them. We are here today to talk about how can the church respond? How should churches respond? How should churches be prepared for such a thing? Uh, There is no more uh, singular target uh, that would be easy for a a gunman than a church. I mean, most churches meet every either Saturday or Sunday. They gather together in the same place each week. You have an idea of how many people are in that church. Uh, And again, these are just two examples, the Sutherland Springs in Charleston, South Carolina, where uh, churches were affected. And I think, uh, as I had a chance to hear our guest recently talk about this, that this is something that every single church, no matter your size, should think about. And it doesn't mean every church is going to have a similar plan, and we'll talk about that as well. But every church today in America needs to be thinking about it. So whether you're a pastor, you're a staff person, or you're a lay person in your church, uh, these are some things I think that will be helpful for you today in having the conversations about the importance of security for your church and exactly what that might look like. Our guest today certainly has uh, the credentials to talk about church security. His name is Michael Mann. He's the CEO of Masada Consulting. He's a Christ follower. He's an expert at assessing the true risks that particular that are particular to any specific ministry. He knows how to provide necessary training for those called to serve in this protective role. And for three decades, Michael has provided, managed, and created physical protection services and programs while he was serving in the U.S. military, U.S. government paramilitary forces, and the private sector. He is a Marine. He served on a SWAT team and the police department in Nashville. Uh, So many different areas he has worked in, I believe, and we'll talk about this a little bit as well. I believe he's even traveled to Israel and learned a bit about their protection. And if you've ever been to Israel, you know some of the greatest security in the world is in Israel. So we'll talk about a lot of different things this hour, and we will encourage your calls at 877-LIVE-675, 877-548-3675. As we uh, head through the hour, this hour, uh, your chance to call and ask your questions or give a comment as well. Michael, welcome to Equipped with Chris Brooks. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate your time today, and I was fascinated in hearing you during a conversation recently talk about uh, all of these issues, and we'll get to many of them today. Let's start at the beginning. Tell us just a little bit about 
what led you not into security or necessarily your work in the military, but the transition into this idea of protecting churches, getting involved in the issue of uh, security for churches? How did you get into that? Just very quickly, about uh, four or five years ago after the attack at Sandy Hook Elementary School, a private, uh, affluent Christian school in Brentwood, Tennessee, reached out to me to ask how they could put a physical protection program in place, uh, how they could do that without conflicting with the culture in the school, and how they could do that um, effectively um, so they could, you know, if it were necessary, had to stop a shooter uh, on site if that were to happen. So that happened just after uh, the Sandy Hook uh, Elementary Massacre. And so uh, I called those folks back and reached out to them, looked at the program, uh, put together um, kind of an outline, and then started discussing this with them for about six months. And then uh, within about 12 months, uh, we had that program up and running, uh, and uh, and it's still there today. And then that led to another program at another private Christian school, and then just happened somebody that was on the board at that school was an uh, operations manager for a large church in Brentwood, and that's where um, I started to implement these programs for churches. Let's talk for a moment just about the vulnerability of church. I, I kind of mentioned it, but it maybe from your perspective uh, and knowing more about the types of people that do these types of acts, uh, why is it so critical for a church today of, of any size to consider something like this, some kind of plan, some kind of thinking through this process? Why, why is that it's so important today? Uh, a couple of reasons. First, uh, from the system weakness or the vulnerability piece is, Churches are very vulnerable, and so they're they're open to the public, which they should be. We allow everyone to come in. Uh, we should be very welcoming because that's the mission. Where our mission as believers is to go out and uh, and to get folks to come into the church and hear the good news and the good word. And so, because of that, it's you know everything is wide open. Uh, normally, we would not think of uh, and just in the past, you know, churches didn't think about security. And so, because of the openness and because of the mission of the church. Um, uh, it, it's just a it's it, it's an easier a lot of them are what some people would call soft targets and so just because of the culture because of the mission uh, they are very vulnerable they can be I know that uh, you have been engaged in this kind of activity for many many years through the U.S. military uh, through external uh, organizations uh, also you mentioned uh, I believe in an in interview I heard earlier uh, traveling to Israel. Talk a little bit about that experience. Uh, obviously, Israel known for some of the best security in the world. Uh, what was that experience like for you? What kinds of things were you looking at when you traveled there? It, it really, it's how I started kind of putting this together for churches. And so I uh, uh, worked for several large corporations throughout the, throughout the last several years, designing physical protection programs uh, for the organizations, both in the United States and then overseas. So I convinced one of the companies that I was working for to send me to a program where um, Tel Aviv University and a private uh, Israeli security organization invited security professionals from all over the world in to Israel to go throughout their process, how they protected uh, their airports, very specifically Ben-Gurion, how they protected train stations, critical infrastructure, malls, border crossings. And so I did. I was able to spend some time there, and so we would uh, we'd go to Tel Aviv University in the morning, listen to experts on physical protection and terrorism, uh, and then go out in the field and conduct case studies on how they uh, protected those very specific sites. And so we got an insider look at to see how the Israelis protect their country. And as you know, 
they're surrounded by enemies and they have a very different mindset than we have. And so as I was in, you know, in the morning, I would listen to these Israeli experts and their mindset and the way that they approach security. It was very different uh, than the way that a, a lot of organizations do it here in the United States. And so it was kind of an epiphany, epiphany for me. Uh, and so um, I just started really paying attention and I came back to, uh, came back to work here in the U S and, um, uh, and then a couple years later, uh, when this private Christian school reached out to me, I started using, uh, just again, some of the, uh, some of the lessons I, I learned, uh, from the Israelis on how we do this. And it's, it's really about prevention, not response. And so just taking that Israeli model and some, uh, and then some models I used in some other programs, to address this in, in faith-based organizations. We're talking with Michael Mann. He's the CEO of Masada Consulting and specifically works very closely now, as you've heard, with uh, security plans and processes for Christian schools, for churches, businesses, and has been doing it for quite some time now. You know, if uh, you're listening today, you might be in a church that actually has a security uh, plan in place. We'd love to hear from you what you've experienced about that. Have you considered it maybe? Maybe you're in a church right now, uh, a deacon or an elder who are thinking about something like this. And you may have a question for Michael as well. We'd love to hear from you. Or if you have a system in place, what's worked well? What would make you feel more secure as you are uh, in church on Sundays? Are you even thinking about this? Does it bother you that a church would have to think about a security plan? What about uh, the service? Is it going to interrupt? Is it going to interfere? Is it, you know, people walking around with guns on their hip? Is that what we're talking about? I don't think so, but you may have some thoughts about it as well. Here's our number, 877-548-3675, Michael, I want to focus on a phrase you just used, prevention not response. Anybody who has watched the um, clips from El Paso or from Dayton will know that uh, those were both responses. I don't know what, if any, um, prevention was put into place. Obviously, in Dayton, with the police officers being there so quickly, within 30 seconds, there there was at least somebody thinking, we need some off-duty police officers in this part of town in case something happens, and they responded so quickly. Uh, but the idea of just trying to keep it from happening versus uh, trying to stop it once it has started, that has to be one of the focuses, right? Correct. In, in fact, especially for faith-based organizations, for churches, the key is prevention. And so uh, understand, uh, for anyone listening, uh, I'm not opposed to uh, guns on site at churches. Uh, I, in fact, that's part of what I do. But understand that prevention has nothing to do with a gun. The gun is a response tool only. Prevention is uh, information that we gather, and it's the use of deterrence or uh, something that we do overtly to convince an adversary that our physical protection system is going to be too difficult to um, to, to defeat. And that really has nothing to do with guns. It has to do with actions mm. and what we do outside and inside. Uh, and very specifically in the church, that has to be very welcoming. It's something that, uh, again, I've uh, used an Israeli concept and concepts uh, that I've used in executive protection before. Uh, so again, it doesn't have to involve a weapon. In fact, I know a lot of churches are very uncomfortable with the use of weapons with security teams, and, uh, and there's very good reasons for that. So prevention or that uh, information that I gather uh, every Sunday or every Wednesday or Saturday, and then uh, those uh, those elements of deterrence that I use to keep the bad the bad guy away. Because the folks that are doing these very bad things, and 
just kind of a, a misconception that uh, people think about churches. This doesn't happen all the time. And we can talk about that statistically. More than likely, an active shooter is not going to is not going to events not going to happen. Your, your church, your church is going to be something else. So this is a very low risk or low probability event that obviously has a high consequence. So there's a lot of focus. But again, prevention is the key, not response. Uh, it, that's what I learned from the Israelis. They're all about prevention. Where mm-hmm. here in the United States, we're all about response. Yeah, I know uh, some soft targets like uh, say a stadium or something like that, where a sporting event. You know, people have gotten used to the idea of things like metal detectors and bag searches. I'm I'm just guessing, uh, knowing uh, what I've heard from you, that you're not recommending metal detectors at the door or going through people's bags. Absolutely not. And so uh, there are three design concepts in physical security, uh, and the, the third is very, very important for a church, and that's conflict avoidance. And what that means is the physical protection system that we put in place cannot conflict with the mission of the organization. Our mission as churches and as believers is to reach out to the world and get them inside those buildings or, you know, get them in the front yard or in the living room or whatever so they can hear the word of Christ, so they can hear the good news. Uh, and so if I'm locking doors, if I have metal detectors up, if, I'm, if I overtly carry weapons, if I'm searching backpacks, that's not going to bring people inside the church. In fact, I believe, again, it conflicts with the very mission of the church. And, I, you know, I, obviously I can't speak for him, but I, I would think that, uh, that uh, that our Savior would 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 agree. I would think that we're not supposed to keep people out, and that chases people away. And so yeah. we need to. This prevention piece has to be very something very very different than that. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about uh, when we come back in just a couple of minutes is uh, the ministry aspect of this. One of the things I loved about uh, hearing you talk about church security is the need for this to be an integral ministry of the church, not just a program or a process, but a ministry. And I think. A lot of people maybe haven't made that connection between ministry opportunities and um, and protection for the church. And so we'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Our phone lines are open, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. If you have any questions for our guests today, concerns, you may have concerns about uh, guns in the church or protecting the church. And we'd love to talk through this. Uh, again, as Michael just said, the chances of this happening at your church are very, very slim. The flip side of that is, if it happens, it can be devastating, and it's something that's going to make national news, as it has uh, for these other churches and other or, uh, businesses over the last uh, several years. So stay with us, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675, equippedradio.org. We'd love to hear from you. You can always email us, equipped at moody.edu. You can uh, send your question in as well, equipped at moody.edu. Stay with us, more Equipped with Chris Brooks, coming up just Are you saved? Are you sure? Tragically, many people live in fear that their salvation is in jeopardy. On the other hand, others assume they're saved, but they're not. Pastor Don Cole addresses both extremes with compassion and clarity in his classic book, How to Know You're Saved. Get a copy for yourself and a friend when you give an impact gift to Equip. 
Call 888-644-4144 or go to EquipRadio.org. That's 888-644-4144 or EquipRadio.org. You're tuned to Equipped with Chris Brooks on Moody Radio. Hi, I'm Colin Lambert, and I'm sitting in for Chris today, who's out at a Bible conference sharing God's Word, and that is where we love him to be. We miss him here. We love for him to be sharing God's Word. He is good at that. And uh, I'm glad to be sitting in today. Glad you're along. It's a conversation that's a challenging conversation, but it is one I believe that's needed in today's culture, and that is a conversation about church security. Our guest is Michael Mann. He's the CEO of Masada Consulting. He has been part of the U.S. Marine Corps Fleet Anti-Terrorism Security Team. He worked with the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department. He's been involved in SWAT teams. He's even traveled to Israel and learned from some of the best security people on the planet. He also has worked very closely with Christian schools and churches to put together security plans. Again, the idea, as Michael has shared, is to make every every possibility for people to come into the church, for it to be open and accessible to people, and yet make sure that you're doing everything you can to protect your staff, your pastor, and, of course, the people in the pews as well. And uh, that's what we're talking about this hour. If you have any calls, uh, questions, 877-LIVE-675, 877-548-3675. We would love to hear from you. And... Uh, uh, just before we go to the phones, Michael, and take a couple of calls, uh, I just wanted to ask you about the uh, uh, the idea of this for different sized churches. I know you're working with a larger church, but uh, could small and medium sized churches benefit from some type of plan? Absolutely, it doesn't matter the size of the church. Eighty eight thousand. Everyone needs to have some sort of a plan in place, very specific with a concentration on prevention. Uh, to be able to deal with this kind of event. The smaller, the easier. Really, the smaller the footprint, the easier it is to do this. It's a, It becomes a little bit more comprehensive when you start to get into larger churches and when you have more people. So uh, small churches, it's it's uh, it's a lot easier uh, to, to deal with and to implement than it would be a large church. So absolutely, it doesn't matter the size. Okay. Well, let's get to the calls. Uh, Paul, you're in Indianapolis listening on WGNR. Thanks for your call today, your question or comment for Michael. Yes, thank you for taking my call today. Um, yeah, so my question today is, we are a small, young church, and we're actually getting ready to go into a new building. But with security in mind, obviously we know we have no problem with guns and, and so forth, but all of those are, like you said, that's a last, absolute last resort. But before that, on the prevention side... Even further on that is recognizing. Is there any training or any kind of, um, you know, words of wisdom that you can give us or anybody to recognize that threat so that if, so that you can respond or act accordingly to neutralize it, even on that prevention side? Yeah, the very first phase of training that I provide for the team that I manage and other teams, if, if folks come in, is that is the exact first how to stand a post, what the mission of the church security team is, and then then the very next thing is what exactly what they're looking for. So, so as far as training, if you know you have a small budget, you don't you don't have the resources to go out. Uh, very first thing is is just to understand what that looks like. So, I, I can't point you to specific places. I, I've learned this uh, over the last thirty years over from the military, the private sector, and from the working in the government sector. But uh, just understand uh, just very quickly a cycle. So before someone comes in to do this, 
Uh, the very first phase that you're probably going to see is surveillance, someone to come in and look at the building. So if you'll just type in like surveillance, you know, go into the Internet, type in surveillance training, uh, surveillance detection, there's going to be resources, free resources where that have very, very basic applications that you could share with your security team members and, and give that to them if you don't have the resources to go out and, and get that professionally. So there's a lot of resources online. FEMA even provides um, uh, free courses that go over just the very basics of what that is, and that's, that's the very first thing that you're looking for, and that is the preventative piece. That next piece is how to address that. This is a behavioral-based approach to prevention, and, and unfortunately a lot of that, there's a high fossil alarm rate with that and a very low detection rate, but just understanding the basics of what that looks like and then how to deal with that is, is the very, very first step. So there's some free stuff online through FEMA and then some just basic websites that you can pull some information uh, off of and do it like a 30-minute training session with your team to where they can be better uh, uh, equipped to deal with that. All right, Paul, hope that's helpful to you. Appreciate your call today. And uh, Michael, I would assume, and we we certainly won't get down into the weeds during this conversation today. There's a whole lot, as you've just talked about, related to the training. But, you know, simple things, even we've heard related to terrorism, someone wearing a long trench coat when it's warm outside doesn't really make sense. Just people that look out of place or look like uh, it it doesn't fit in what you're dealing with. Again, it, it may not be a uh, hey, that's the target, but you, you've got somebody that, that is looking like they don't belong, like they don't uh, fit uh, the group of people walking in or the circumstances for the day. It's, it's uh, you know, super hot and they're wearing this long trench coat. Those are some things just recognizing your surroundings, being aware of what's going on in your surroundings. Yes, I, I tell people this all the time. Situational awareness is, is uh, much more powerful than the gun. And so what that means is, yes, I understand the norm or the baseline for where I'm working. Uh, I know the people that come in, how they act or wh- how they should act when they come inside. And so when they're coming to the church or in the parking lot. So, yes, it's understanding what might be different than normal. And then the next important step in that is how we address that. Uh, and that gets into not only the prevention piece, but the the, the uh, spiritual and, and, and the, the church part of it, which is we don't want to chase folks away. So how do we address that? How do we How do we address them? Because understand, anyone that wants to come in and do these horrible things, which, again, they don't happen a lot, risk is very, probability is very, very low. But when they do, there's a long process, or pretty long process they go through. And that beginning is going to, the start of that is going to come to, you know, to take a look at the facility and they're going to act different. So absolutely, situational awareness is the most important when we talk about prevention and physical protection just in general. And I also want to mention, I was on a church staff for six and a half years and actually had to deal with a couple of these issues. So uh, I also want to mention, this is not just about, uh, let me just say this up front, this is not just about guns, and this is not just about an active shooter situation. I mean, we had situations at our church where just people who shouldn't be in there, and I don't mean people who weren't like us. I mean, like there was an occasion where we had two uh, evowed witches come into the service and sit down dressed in full black and they're like chanting curses during a during a church service and I know that sounds crazy but in the town I was in this kind of stuff was happening I mean you you had to without disrupting the activities of the church you had to get these folks and move them out the door and uh, obviously not everybody's going to deal with something like that but it we're not just talking right about uh, an active shooter situation we're talking there's a lot of security issues that could take place in a church absolutely protection objectives and physical protection they could in, they involve the intentional threat which we're talking about this active shooter some kind of criminal activity 
It can involve some sort of a natural event like you know bad weather, and it should also uh, include uh, these inadvertent threats, these things you can't plan for, like like a medical emergency. Even you know we have we, we don't. Uh, I mean, there are too many. But when you look at the number of people that die in active shooter situations every year, uh, as opposed to people that die of say heart disease, six hundred fifty thousand people a year die of heart disease. So more than likely, uh, as a safety or security team, one of the uh, one of the more you know uh, probably prevalent issues you're going to deal with is somebody passing out or having a medical issue. It's not yeah. going to be that they have yeah. a gun inside the church. Absolutely. Right. Uh, good to know and good to put into perspective, too, I think, for people. I want to make sure people understand we're not just focused on the active shooter part. There are so many uh, areas of work that the security team can be involved in, and that's so important. Just before we go back to the phones, Michael, uh, I know one of the things I loved as well that, that is on your heart is that uh, this isn't just uh, like hiring a bunch of, of off-duty cops in your mind, though you may have some of those as part of your security team. You really desire this to be a ministry of the church. Talk about that. Absolutely. In fact, uh, when when I form, a, when I go into a church and help them develop security teams, I don't really, I don't look for military guys or police officers. The first thing I look for are those people that love the church. They're believers. They want to serve. And so, uh, it's been my experience. I, I have been blessed and lucky enough to manage a large team for a large church in Brentwood and. The reason why we have been so successful is not because of me, is because of the approach that we've taken, and it's a ministry approach. First is service to the church. Second is fellowship with each other, especially as men, Christian men. And third is uh, service to the community. And so those three elements are what, what uh, make, make that program a long-standing program fascinating conversation and again something i wish we didn't have to talk about today but uh, truly it is valuable and especially as michael said even issues of weather and medical issues we'll talk more about that and about your situations 877-548-3675 is the number feel free to call with your questions or comments and uh, we'll continue in just a moment 877-548-3675 equipped back in just a moment You're listening to Equipped with Chris Brooks. Hi, I'm Colin Lambert sitting in for Chris today, and uh, Chris will be back on the air tomorrow. He's uh, teaching the Word of God, and we love when he has an opportunity to do that. Remember him in your prayers today. And uh, this hour, we're talking about uh, what's going on with church security. Let me remind you quickly before we get back to our conversation, uh, tomorrow on the program, Dr. Virginia Ward joins Chris to talk about Uh, Issues of teens, depression, anxiety, and suicide. Very important for parents and grandparents to have an understanding. Even churches, people in churches, to understand what teens are going through today. And so that's uh, the focus of the topic tomorrow with Dr. Virginia Ward and Chris Brooks right here on Equipped. Our guest this hour, Michael Mann. He is the CEO of Masada Consulting. He's a Christ follower. He has been part of the U.S. Marine Corps Fleet anti-terrorism security team. He's been on a local... uh, police force, uh, Metropolitan Nashville Police Department. He's worked with SWAT teams. He's traveled to Israel and been part of training with the Israeli security. A lot of great uh, experience and training and now works uh, a lot with uh, private schools, Christian schools, churches, uh, trying to put together uh, plans for them related to a security team. And again, specifically a reminder, we're not just talking about an active shooter situation, though that is something we've seen in the news recently. There are issues Issues related to we've seen uh, tornadoes strike when churches are meeting, and what do you do with bad weather? What do you do if someone has a heart attack during the service? Those kinds of things uh, probably may be more likely than an active shooter, but all of them are tied 
to a, an effective uh, and a solid uh, security plan. And that's what we're talking about today with Michael. So just before we get back to the phones, Michael, uh, we talked about every size church benefiting, small, medium, large, something for them. Let me talk dollars for just a second, because I do think some people would say there's just no way we could ever afford to kind of put a security plan or team in place. What would you say is kind of a ballpark figure on the low end of, of beginning to get into uh, a security plan for a church? Yeah, small church, large church. I think in the beginning, a couple of things you need, you know, volunteers, which are free. We just need their time, right? And uh, and we're called to serve, and so that's free. But those folks will need a couple of things. They'll need some way to communicate with each other, whether that's you buy a radio system. And so we're talking about, you know, probably that first startup fee is going to be about $1,000 or less, depending on the size of the church. So that you know the communication piece. You don't need anything expensive, especially if you're a smaller church. There's apps even on your phone that you can pay for, and some of them are free, where you can turn your phone into a communication device, and you can talk to people inside your building or facility or church. So mm-hmm. probably a thousand dollars right at it could uh, you know buy the necessary uh, pieces of equipment that you're going to need. And the biggest piece for the for the team is going to be something for them to talk to each other, mm-hmm. and then uh, probably something that uh, identifies them as. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's some sort of a uh, as a function. So some name tags, lanyards, uh, you know, whatever. And so, yeah. really, that's the very begin. That's uh, that's really all you need to start off with. Yeah, very helpful. Good to know. Eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Our number eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. If you have a question or comment, James, you are in Akron, Ohio, listening on WCRF. Welcome to the program. Your question or comment for Michael today. Um, yes, uh, thanks for having me. Um, yes, uh, I'm. I go to a small church, and uh, one morning um, before Sunday school, our church had been broken into, and we have a small safe in the back room near our our Bible study uh, Sunday school class, and it had been break, broken into and totally destroyed. And so uh, that morning, uh, we realized uh, what happened, and of course, that was the sermon um, for for the day. And our pastor suggested that whoever you know could would get their CCL license. Um, and you know, it, it, our church kind of was split in in fifty fifty on that idea, and uh, we began to research. And try to see if that's something that a church would would need when we're supposed to be pretty much relying on the you know the kingdom of God to to help us and you know on those things. But if we take it in our own hands, um, I guess we we would be more like watchmen, uh, which I guess is biblical. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out if if we're truly teaching uh, the kingdom message, then. Why would we take it in our own hands to protect us if if the kingdom is our source of protection? Michael, if you could first define what the CCL is for someone who might not know what that is, and then uh, a- answer the question as as you look at it from your perspective about the idea of is this something that could that is biblical, that is moral, that a church should be involved in? Sure. So uh, the caller's talking about CCL, so like a concealed carry permit. So like in Tennessee. Uh, to be a an armed church volunteer, the requirement, and I think in a lot of states it's the same as uh, you'd have to get your concealed carry permit. Uh, so the same permit to carry a weapon in your car or home or out in the public con- uh, concealed 
then that, that standard usually applies for churches if you're going to be uh, acting as a volunteer in a church and you want to carry that weapon. So that's what he, when he means CCL or CCW, CCP, it's all the same. So a concealed carry license to do that. So that is, uh, that's what the caller is, is discussing or talking about. Um, so I can address the second part of your question, sir, um, uh, taking this into our own hands. So, I, you know, absolutely, God is in control. Uh, he is sovereign. Um, however, uh, there is uh, something about self-preservation, and there are, you know, rules around that. And uh, when we start talking about guns and taking matters into our own hands, I think you're probably asking about the use of deadly force. And, and if someone were to come in, what were you going to do about that? I will say with that, because we don't have time to get into Scripture, but I would say the state already addresses that. So when we start talking about carrying guns and the use of deadly force, or by definition, any force likely to intend to cause death or serious bodily injury, which in Scripture is a very, very serious thing, it's it's not uh, prohibited for us to protect ourselves, but God does take that seriously, and so do I, and we should. Uh, the laws already address that, and that is that is something to be used as a last resort. In fact, there's... Uh, you know, uh, there's very specific things like the person before you can do that has to have the ability, opportunity, and you must be in jeopardy before you're able to do that. So the law in mo or in here in, in this country already addresses that. And I think it, and if you go back to where our law started, they are in nature biblical already. And so um, I think most state laws already address it. It's just people aren't aware of that. And again, yes, God is in control. He is sovereign. We should leave things in his hands. However, we do understand that uh, God also allows free will and that there are bad people that want to do bad things. And sometimes to prevent that, we have to take that, uh, that first step uh, to help prevent it. And uh, anyway, I hope that, I hope that answers your question. James, appreciate your call today. Thank you for calling. And I, I do think, uh, you know, there is also the issue of protecting life. And I think churches, and again, I would say it's up to your conviction as a pastor as you lead a church ultimately, but uh, certainly you don't want to take a life. But if you have the opportunity to save 5, 10, 20, 100 people by taking that life, uh, you know, it seems like there would be some justification for uh, your ability to protect life, to save life in the midst of a situation like that where you were forced uh, to to deal with that. So uh, that's something to think through as well. Uh, but again, I think, uh, you know, just like we all have convictions in our life, we follow the, the Holy Spirit. I think pastors and church leadership have to do that as they think through this. But again, r- reminder, a lot of uh, what is involved with these security teams are going to be issues that are just responding to the needs of your congregation, not just the needs uh, if that remote chance happened that you had an active shooter. Uh, there are needs otherwise as well, whether uh, health issues and other things that we need to be aware of. Let's continue with the phones. Uh, Tevin uh, in uh, Tampa, Florida, thank you for joining us today. Uh, what is on your mind? Hi, yeah. So I just wanted to say I work at Publix, and uh, they have this sort of thing where uh, you're supposed to you know, show customer service to people to deter uh, shoplifting. So when you see someone that looks suspicious, you will be like, hey, you know, what are you doing? You're supposed to go up to them and, you know, be really nice and that sort of thing. And I think that's something we should keep in mind in church as well, because I know we're supposed to be aware and, like, um, I don't think we should be too caught up with, like, I guess, locating enemies versus using love as a deterrent to, you know, show up to people and discourage, uh, you know, anything going wrong in the church. So I guess I just want to, you know, point that out. Well, thank that you. So, so that could be like uh, your welcome team, people welcoming people. If you're going up to people, addressing them, talking to them, that in itself 
might deter somebody who's thinking that uh, they want to do something. If you're up there addressing them rather than just letting them wander around, that might be uh, an active way to do that. Uh, certainly, uh, you might have teams that, that are more focused on that, like a welcome team than a security team. But uh, any thoughts on that, Michael? Actually, that's a big part of what the security team at the large church where I'm at. That's what that's the very first thing they're trained to do. And so, uh, the the uh, what uh, the gentleman's talking about on the call is in retail they call it aggressive hospitality, and it's very similar from what I learned from the Israelis and have learned in in the executive protection industry. And that is when we detect any kind of unusual behavior, very specifically in the church, it's addressed a different way. Uh, we would address it a different way than the, than the, the Israelis address it, but the way we're addressed, we do. Uh, we would go up and. Uh, because we uh, we have uh, security team members in all parts of the church, outside at the doors, inside, and so. But they don't look like security. They don't look like security in the rest of the world. They look like greeters. Uh, the response functions are there, but they don't look like what you would expect, like at a federal building. And so they do. They they welcome everyone. Uh, if they happen to see something that is unusual, they are taught in training a process, a very open and friendly process that helps them determine whether or not that that truly is adversarial behavior or suspicious behavior, or if it's not. And so, yes, that's addressed in the training program that I provide for for our security team. And a big function of what we're doing is being seen. We are the first uh, element of welcoming our, our people when you come in the parking lot. We're the first people that you see, and we're the last people that you see. And that's very important for two reasons, for security, for detection and prevention, and two, um, it's for the church. We welcome everybody in. We want people inside the church. We want them to stay. We want them to come back. And so we, we need to be that first level of, of openness and, and Christ-like uh, function uh, for that body and for the church. And that's, that, I think that's a big function of, of uh, church security. Yeah, good. Tevin, good, good point and good call. Thank you for being with us today. Alex, uh, you are in Fort Myers, Florida. Thank you for calling today. What's on your mind? Thank you very much. I was wondering, shouldn't we, before bringing a weapon inside a church, consult with the insurance of the church because there's a liability involved? For example, I know here in Florida, there's a forest statute that if a church has a daycare or a school, even if it's closed, no weapon is allowed. So I was wondering if he could uh, talk about that a little bit more because if something happens, who's responsible financially of that victim or, or the bad guy? Absolutely. And so not to really quick, not to jump around your question, but yeah, so very first thing a church does when we talk about security and safety, determine exactly what it is you're trying to protect. And number two, how you want to do that. And so, yes, the next step is if you decide and understand, I'm not, uh, you know, we, I I believe a hundred percent in, in, in arming folks up if they, if there's a standard to do that and they're meeting the requirements, but you don't have to do that to prevent or to protect your church. But yes, if you decide to do that, the very first thing after that decision is to contact your insurance company and let them know that this is something that you're thinking about doing. Now, the insurance company, a lot of times, is not going to have an answer right away. They're going to come back. They're going to ask a, a list of questions. I've been through this numerous numerous times with churches and private Christian schools, and so they're not going to know what to do because the church is not normally a security organization. So, But, yes, you need to notify them first, and there's going to be a process in which they ask questions. They determine some things, and they'll come back. And uh, your insurance is the the fee or, or that rate will go up if you when you notify them that that's what you want to do. And again, they're going to ask a a, a very a, a list of specific questions because it's probably something they haven't addressed before. But you're absolutely right, sir. If you decide to do that, your insurance company has to be notified, and they have to know because of the risk and liability. 
All right, Alex, thanks for your call. Good question. Appreciate your participating today. Uh, We're going to come back in just a moment, and we're going to uh, talk to Michael a little bit more about the ministry side of this and and, and the importance of this team being uh, uh, a cohesive unit that actually uh, begins to uh, serve the church as a ministry. And I love that. Just like the greeters, they're there welcoming people into the church. These are people who love Christ, who are interested in supporting the mission of the church. That's really what we're talking about. And whether it is something simple to something very complex that your church faces, having a plan and having talked about it and discussed it and prayed about it as a church, a church pastor, a church staff, that to me is one of the key elements. It's just uh, don't avoid it. Don't avoid the issues of our day. Think through, talk through the way that a security team might help and benefit your congregation. Uh, and, And in the long run, I think it'll be a big payoff for you and for the congregation as uh, they help the process of welcoming people to your campus or your church facility. It's Equipped with Chris Brooks. I'm Colin Lambert. Stay with us. More coming up in just a moment. At Equipped, it's our goal to strengthen your faith. And we're always excited as we hear stories of people coming to faith as a result of our program. But we couldn't possibly accomplish this mission alone. That's why we're looking for equippers and people just like you who will give a monthly gift to help us keep this program on the air. Would you consider partnering with us? Become an equipper today and receive special insider benefits, such as a bi-weekly email that contains pastoral messages prepared just for you. Call 888-644-4144 or go online to equipradio.org. And this is Equipped with Chris Brooks. I'm Colin Lambert sitting in for Chris today, and uh, so glad you've been with us today. You can find us on Facebook at Equipped Radio, Twitter at Equipped Radio, and you can email us, equipped at moody.edu, or of course our website, equippedradio.org, and that's really where I want to direct you. We will not be able to cover all the details that are covered in these kinds of conversations, things related to training or all the different issues that you might uh, be involved with, but we will direct you to our website, equippedradio.org, and we will have a link there to Michael's organization. Uh, He does consulting, he does training, he can even point you in the right direction as he has to some online resources today. And uh, just a reminder, at equippedradio.org, you can uh, find that there. Uh, Michael, I wanted to come back to something we mentioned earlier in the hour, and that is is uh, the issue of uh, this being a ministry. I think a lot of people, when they think security, they immediately go to uh, off-duty military, off-duty police. I love that you said that's not even where you start uh, with uh, these uh, these uh, groups that are within the church. Truly, uh, your desire, your heart, and I believe the heart of most churches would be, let's make this a ministry of the church. Let's make sure these people love and are dedicated to the church. Talk a little more about the power uh, of that and that ministry within a church body. Yeah, so uh, like I talked about, the model that we use is uh, the very first thing is obviously the security uh, team or the safety function is providing service to the church, and that service is physical security. But outside of just that service, um, that team can provide uh, other uh, other functions when we talk about security. So like, uh, you know, in a, in a corporate organization, like value-added services. So not only are we serving on Sunday and Wednesday nights and Saturday services, but we're also doing other things for the church that can assist the church in, in, in other ministries. And so maybe that's providing security briefings for uh, if you're in a part of a large church that has a, an organization where they're going on mission trips, they're going to other countries. 
you, you know, we provide security briefings for those ministries. We also provide CPR and medical response training for our children's ministry. Um, so there are other things outside of like standing a post and the stuff that everybody thinks about security when we start talking about service, very specifically the church that, that you can provide uh, as part of that ministry. The second piece is fellowship. And, you know, for the majority of people that, you know, the, what I found is the security or safety ministry at our church has become a place where very specifically men have searched for a long time to serve, and they just could not find that right fit. You know, they've tried to serve with the wives in the children's ministries or as greeters, and it, for whatever reason, it didn't fulfill a need. And so the need here is not necessarily because of guns or because of security or training. I, I believe that as men, we are designed to protect, uh, but the the draw to this is the fellowship with each other that we get, number one, during training and when we get together. So it is also, so outside of service to the church, it is fellowship with each other. As Christian men and women, we get together. We we have meals every quarter. We do training on you know, every week and every month. And in that training, we pray. We talk about things that are very specific around the, the mission of the church, which is getting other people and other Christians involved in this. And it is being together, and out of that fellowship, there are subgroups. And so, you know, we have 50-plus people on this team for two campuses. And so as we get together on Saturdays and monthly during training on the weekends, what happens is afterward you will see smaller groups of Christian men to get together, and they go have lunch or they do other things together. There are conversations during these sessions as we fellowship that Christian men have. It just net, you know, because we have problems like everybody else. There are struggles as human beings, especially in this world that we have, and that fellowship with each other as part of that safety team provides that. And then the third function is, of course, uh, service to the community. And an example of what we do, of we, we found uh, we've created a partnership with the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home. It's an organization that, that is funded by the Southern Baptist Association of the Churches, but it, you know, it doesn't cover that need 100%, so the rest of that money has to come from donations every year. This is an organization that's been around since 1911. Um, they take children that have been taken from their parents. Maybe their parents are incarcerated. Maybe they're in rehab. Maybe something just horrible has happened, and they take those kids into these homes. And, and so we we partner with that ministry, so our service is raising money for that ministry and then doing work for that ministry, whether that's landscaping, tree work, rebuilding parts of houses, uh, so we, we go out into the community, we find a ministry that we can support as the team. So this security team is providing physical security. They're providing fellowship with each other, as Christian men and women should be doing, and then they're serving the community. Well, it is a great need today, and I think uh, as-